Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I'm Ollie Davis, and I'm joined by Luke Owen. D A D. How do you feel now? Your namesake is no longer the AEW Women's Champion. I mean, do you watch my Thunder Rosa interview that I did last week? Bits of it. Yeah, I, I dipped in. I saw it live. Yeah, oh, thank you very much. Um, I started off the interview by saying. Normally, I would introduce myself as Luke Owen at DAD, mm. but it doesn't feel appropriate given our. Um, and you know, I upset QT Marshall by wearing a hook T-shirt. Um, Thunder Rose took it in very good spirit, but she was like, "Yeah, let's not do that. Let's not do that today," because she, they're such fierce rivals. Yeah, they hate But yeah, other. you know, it's it's very sad. My my girl Brit apparently knows me. I've yet to see evidence of that. <laughs> There's not been one reference, Brit, on AEW TV of well, Luke Owen. Not even just. She doesn't follow me on Twitter. I I just get the impression that that person who said that she knows me isn't telling me the truth. They're just trying to tell me something they think I want to hear. She's just keeping gimmick. Like who who does she follow? Tony Schiavone. Yeah, well, because they're an on-air sort of act. Yeah, I know. But what I'm trying to say is, like, I think I am the same level of fame and popularity within the wrestling industry as Tony Schiavone. I would go one further. I would say you're as close to Brit as you as Adam Cole is. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, I would like to get. I've got like a short list of people I would like to interview on the uh, the WrestleTalk podcast from AEW. Britt Baker is quite top of that list, and I would ask her like point blank, being like, "Look, someone once told me that you know who I am. Mm. Is that true?" is someone else who's quite high on your list. Is it William Regal? <laughs> because if you're going to have him on, well, you've got to block out the whole week. I would be too scared to have Willie Regs on. Honestly, I'd be terrified because I would I would say something stupid. Mm. And then he'd, he would find a way to slap me through his, his laptop and it would hit me. He doesn't, I don't know, well, he probably can't even remember the Wrestle Talks a thing, but he once took issue with a headline with Ridden which, in our defence, was a direct quote from the person who said it, but it was about him. Um, you know, and he sort of 
said nasty things about Wrestle Talk because of that headline, mm-hmm. which again was a direct quote. Yeah, so I remember stand that by. Time. But I just felt like of, of all the people, you know, when Lance Storm did it, I don't mind. Zack Ryder. Because Lance Storm is famously grumpy. Zack Ryder I really like, but, you know, I, if, if he's someone we annoy, it's a occupational hazard, I suppose. When William Regal got annoyed, oh, I felt like a piece of crap, even though we're in the right. I know. That's how good he is. He is very good at that. In, and is also bad at that in the same mm. way. Um, how is your weekend shaping up to be? This is a banned question. It's not a banned question. Does this mean we've got no fan emails? Well, I was about to do a check to see if we've got any fan emails. My Disney fancy dress party has fallen through due to the Rona. Oh, I didn't even know you were having one because you don't tell me these things anymore because you're not, al- I'm not allowed to... I'll tell you off air. Well, you don't tell me off air. You keep saying, oh, I'll just tell you off air. And then you never do. So I never know anything about your life anymore. I could have sworn I told you that there were, you know, each person was assigned the costume. No, you haven't told me any of this. I thought I did because then you were like, that sounds rubbish. And then I said, and there's going to be. I would love it. And then I, but then I said, there's going to be drinking games associated with each that, character's I, well, story. And now I'm slightly out. And of you, it. and you, I, you know what? I did tell you this. It was that it was before we watched. The revolution. Are you sure? We had like a 90 minute chat. Yeah, but that was about me going to T-Bay services. A lot of it was about T-Bay services. By the way. There been any messages about Oh, I've had some messages about people getting in touch with me about T-Bay services. One person even threatened to unsubscribe to the podcast because of the slander that I was throwing to T-Bay. And I was like, look, I'm I'm all for T-Bay. It's top three UK service stations. It's probably the best in the country. T-Bay is such a landmark service station. I drove out of England into Scotland so I could loop around to the M6 to specifically go to T-Bay. I went to T-Bay and I had some fish and chips there. And do you know what they asked me? Do you want gravy with that? It's that Ooh. level of detail that I appreciate at T-Bay services. And I was like, yes, I do want gravy with that. With fish? Yeah, with on, on my chips. It was beautiful. And it was a stunning visual outside. There was a nice shop that was there. And I picked up a hoodie that I was very uh, infatuated with. And it turned out it was £65. So oh, I wow. put it right back. But it hasn't got a Leon. Cobham, Leon, Mackey D's, a KFC. It's got a sushi bar. It's got a noodle bar. It's got an Indian burrito place. It's got all the facilities. Good facilities. Indian burrito. Oh, yes. Good facilities as well. Uh, Excellent changing room facilities. Good toilets. It is your, like, just one of the better service stations. Like, T-Bay is like a landmark. Mm. It probably is the best in the UK, but I think. You're a corporate sellout. I don't know. You want the big brands. I think it's got a Starbucks. You know, it's got options there. It's also got a WH Smith's. Uh, which is always good to have at a service station. What do you want from a service station? Because it's a long journey. Mm-hmm. You, this it, It's specifically designed for when you stop, you're tired. Do you want to try something new? Do you, no. want, do you want fish and chips and gravy? You want the dependable golden arches. That's exactly it. Or you do like, I need this. It takes me five minutes to eat because it took them 30 seconds to make. Nom, nom, <laughs> nom, 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 nom. And away we go back onto you know, And I'm paying £1.80 for petrol. Uh, per you know per liter. We'll get some Krispy Kremes from the W H Smith concession to have in the car. <laughs> That's exactly what you want. Pick us up some twirls. Like and and away you go. T Bay 
It's a destination. Dad, why have you bought this CD? <laughs> this compilation of Latin music? What? I stopped off at a service station when we were on our way to Northumberland. And I went into a W.A. Smith. Do you know what I did? I looked at the book section. Mm. Because I was like, I'm going away for a week. And I haven't got uh, like a work of fiction for me to potentially read. I'll go and peruse. And maybe I'll pick up a book. I didn't. I did look for the rest of the magazine. That wasn't there either. Uh, but they also didn't have Retro Gamer. Very very poor uh, selection of, of Retro Gamer magazines, if I'm being honest. The few things delight me more than a large magazine section oh, in a WH Smith, in like a train station or somewhere, or an airport. Mm-hmm. And you can, really, you can really dive in deep to the specialist hobby magazines of course we're on those stands usually the wrestle talk magazine um but god the war stuff really grabs me <laughs> i'm like oh my god there are so many military history magazines i bought one on tanks once oh yeah 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 it was it's not that interesting because it was very you shock me <clears throat> well it was it could have been <laughs> but it was just very sort of glossy superficial they didn't get into the nuts and bolts of the tanks the literal nuts and bolts. The literal nuts and bolts. Like, what nuts were used in this model of Sherman? Is that what you wanted from your tank magazine? I don't know what I wanted. Your tankazine. I don't know what I wanted. But I suppose the main people buying print magazines are men. <laughs> Actually, that's there's a lot of celebrity gossip magazines as well. Yep. That which is stereotypically catered towards women. So that's a lie. But if a man buys a magazine at that age... It's going to be about tanks. <laughs> or photography. Um, well, let's get into the main show itself. Talking about Thunder Rosa becoming your new AEW Women's Championship in what I thought was an incredible match and an awesome moment. Here is the show. Thunder Rosa, our best friend, although, you know, your best friend, really. Although, God, you're a friend. You simp. <laughs> <laughs> you're, friends with <laughs> you're friends with both Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker DMD. Well, I know. We were just talking about this. Someone once said on a podcast, Britt Baker knows who you are, but we get to see any evidence of this. This isn't like when someone said, oh, Eddie Kingston knows who you are. Then Eddie Kingston came onto our podcast and the first thing he said to me was, where's Ollie? Look who's friends with all the AEW girls. I'm just, over here. I'm just saying, Thunder Rosa was very, very pleasant. I, I literally got breakfast with her during, like, in the preamble before our podcast started because she was like, oh, 15 minutes before we go live, she's like, oh, cool, I'll go get breakfast then. Do you want anything? Awesome. That's really, that's genuinely very cool. I wish I could have had that experience. I'm Ollie Davis. I'm joined by Luke Owen, DAD. Welcome to, well, you're. Jam that champion. I was holding on before I pick the belt up because, like a fellow champion, I hold my gold with pride. Mm. Uh, this is the AEW Dynamite Review Podcast. Please give us a subscribe. Get your Ultra Omega chats in to wrestletalk.com forward slash support. We'll read out every single one of them over five US dollars. And before we get into the review, a big thank you to the Greater London Authority. Yeah, that's right. The City of London helped us build what you see right now. Um, they provided a grant, the GLA. GLA kind of sounds like a wrestling faction. Or yeah, something that Eric Bischoff would do on Monday Night Raw when the ratings were starting to fall. 
Uh, and yeah, so like you can't see, obviously you can see the physical set, but you can't see the lights. You can't see the rigging of lights up here. You can't see the streaming PC or the camera we're using this on, the mixing desk. All of that equipment was helped, funded by uh, the grant, which was co-managed by the London Borough of Hackney, London Borough of Tower Hamlets and the LLDC. You can see their logos right there. So yeah, a big thank you to everybody there. That's you know, you've made us you've helped us be able to actually make it look like a real thing we do as opposed to a bedroom. Yeah, we've come very far, haven't we? Because we had the t-shirt wall era, then we were in the <clears> red room of death, uh, and then we were with the the bright white uh, mm. set that was so white it was actually hard to watch. And now we've got this really nice professional uh, looking thing and it makes us look really quite good We're pretty professional now yeah. let's talk about this episode of dynamite and the main event which was brit baker versus thunder rosa in a steel cage what do, wait what, what's your thoughts on this steel cage what do you mean by my thoughts on the steel cage there was room yeah so i think the reason for this is that the aew steel cage is built for an 18 by 18 ring and this was a 16 by 16 ring what what why I, d I don't know, but a lot of people made reference to the fact that, man, the ring looks smaller than it usually does on TV for the whole episode. And there was some people I was like, that looks like a 16 by 16 ring. And then when the cage was there, you know, and there was gaps around it, they were like, oh, right. Yeah, it does look like that's built for an 18 by 18 ring. Because then you suddenly had a Hell in a Cell style format where people can, you know, in a cage match, in my mind, when you're on the apron and you're between the ropes and the mesh, you're like, ah, sandwiched brutally between them. But here now you can have a stroll outside, pick up a chair maybe, get some thumbtacks. And those were inbuilt spots in the match. Well, that's what I was about to say. Perhaps uh, either it was, they realised it was 16 by 16 ring so they can go and start doing those spots, or they purposefully used a 16 by 16 ring so that they could do those spots. That's bizarre to me. I'm fascinated by ring sizes because it's over here. <laughs> over here in the UK, we have 16 by 16 rings. They're smaller because we don't have as much space as America. No, and we're very small people. Yeah, it take most wrestling shows, working class venues, and sort of origins in uh, working men's clubs. I'm taller than both of Mustache Mountain. Yeah, they're much smaller. Whereas in the States, you've got stadiums, arenas, like your little local gym hall is a freaking aircraft hangier. <laughs> hangier. Hanger. Hangier. Hangier. <laughs> um, but when, like, you hear stories like Eddie Guerrero coming over to work in the UK and he takes what he thinks is the correct amount of steps to forearm you, but it's actually way too far and he breaks your nose. I've heard that story from a wrestler we know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it, it's crazy for them. Am I getting too hung up on this? No, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. I, it, it sounds like you're trying to find your newest way to not like this show. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so somehow they had this stipulation of the cage. And the story was really good. They had loads of callbacks to not only the pay-per-view match, but the one of the best matches AEW have ever done last year, the unsanctioned match. We got a weird chair structure. Oh, man. And that was a sturdy-ass chair structure as well. Because So there was a spot when Britt Baker brought a load of chairs into the ring during one of the commercial breaks. And then she laid them all out on the floor and they did like a uh, an avalanche air raid crash through that. And they're not content with doing one top rope move 
into a bunch of chairs. Britt Baker then started to stack the chairs up in sort of like a seat position, creating a bit of a chair bridge. She then started to lay some of the chairs down, almost like she was making like a little house of cards, but with chairs. Put some more chairs up on top of it, and then they did a spot where uh, Thunder Rosa bopped her head into the steel uh, steel cage, and she did a flat back bump onto it. And it was like a... The chair, it didn't crumple. The chairs didn't break or anything like that. She literally just went, boom, and it hit, and then she fell off. She slid off, didn't It she? was just... She built an incredibly sturdy structure. <laughs> you could have like you could have built a house on top of the, that the the foundations that she'd laid. Both women, you know, really went for this. They were bl- blading right at the start of the match. Yeah, that bump there. Thumbtacks came out later. Incredible, they did. incredible ref bump spots where the referee took a massive super kick to the face. He ate all of that super kick. Yeah. So Paul Turner super kick. If a referee gets super kicked. They're de- right, they're down. They're dead. That's three weeks sell job at least. Paul Turner goes to the ropes and goes like, oh, ow. And like pops back up. Well, yeah, pops give- back up like a New Japan match. And then they run into him. And that's what sends him out the ring? Yeah, well, he was just, you know, he was rocked a little bit. And then he was sent to the outside. The super kick alone should have murdered him. Nah, you're just based on like they build them tougher in AEW for their referees. But it led to this amazing spot where they did the Avalanche air raid crash, and who should run down but Aubrey freaking Edwards? He looked amazing. He's like the crowd went mental as Aubrey came down. Really, really great near fall there. Like I was on the edge of my seat for this mm. match. I just I had such a good time with it right from the get go of this because Thunder Rosa got this amazing entrance with oh, the all female so cool. mariachi bands and. I have, you know, I've seen a lot of title matches over the years. And there's been a lot of times where I've been really emotionally invested in title matches and title wins. I legit got a bit teary when Thunder Rosa made her entrance. Because she, I'd put it on the thumbnail there, she is just pure emotion. Mm. And I think that the reason why she, because she's only been wrestling for seven years. No. Yeah, her career is only seven years old at this point. And she has oh, become wow. this like independent mainstay. You know, like you look at her cage match things. What I was talking to her about last Friday, it's just like I'm on this show, I'm on this show, I'm on this show. When they, she did um, Zicky Dice's Outlandish Paradise, her match against Tyre Valkyrie was like, oh, that's the match that everybody mm. wants to see because everyone gets so invested into Thunder Rosa. And I think she, since she came into AEW, she's had this groundswell of support, being like, oh man, excellent, Thunder Rosa's here, and then new people are discovering, and they're like, oh my god, I love her so much. She's amazing. And when she came out here with that mariachi band intro and she just had this incredible look, the face paint and everything, and was just fired up for it, this crowd went banana. Hmm. And I at home, I, I genuinely, <clears throat> like, I had tears in my eyes being like, this is so cool. And I'm so glad that we're getting this. And I, I was on the edge of my seat for the rest of this match. I was not on the edge of my seat because I found it predictable. Um, and not in an investing way. I feel like if they hadn't done the pay-per-view match, I might have been more that yeah, way. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, but I was pretty 100% certain that Thunder Rosa was winning. Yeah. And the nature of the big overblown entrance, which was a fantastic spot. I, I never bought into... I, it was a foregone conclusion, which did keep me at arm's length. I'm not. So, it was still a very good match, really good main event. And I'm so happy Thunder Rosa's the champion. Um, but I hate AEW. <laughs> do, is, do you think that's the same thing for the Hangman Omega match? 
because like you were so I mean actually no, I mean you thought Omega was retaining that uh, was different <laughs> I wanted it to go longer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no like you like I went into this you know, particularly when they announced that they were doing this, it's in San Antonio. It's mm -hmm. her new adopter, and they did the entrance like from the graveyards of Tijuana, Mexico, by way of San Antonio, Texas. This mm -hmm. huge hometown park and everything like Great that. Great crowd all night. An incredible crowd all night. Well done, you Texas. It was one hundred p that she was winning this match, and I wanted to see her win this match mm -hmm. and get that moment here. But like you, I do feel that Revolution ends up being a mistake because there was actually quite a few chats that we had at the start of this stream that was just like i wish this had happened at the pay-per-view yeah i'm glad that this happened here because it happened in san antonio and i think it made it meant more happening here than it would have done in florida for a revolution uh, oh i can't remember but like yeah i yeah just scrap the pay-per-view match that's coming, exactly coming it. after the punk mjf match you yeah know, this is a better place for it 100 percent. they could have done just like a tag match or something you know like uh baker rebel and hater versus thunder rosa and two other baby faces or something along those lines i mean people probably would have said where's the title match but if you'd announced that you're gonna do the, the title match, you could have announced the title match ahead of time so like the title match is going to be at st patrick's day slam inside a steel cage mm -hmm. and we're using this tag match to build to that um so i'm glad that they did it here but like the commentary kept saying like oh this match is a year in the making because it's one year out from the lights out match and i'm like it's not really though is it mm. it's, it's two weeks in the making because you did this match two weeks ago yeah it's like the match as a distinct thing there loved it the it's but it's the whole thing that falls down yeah. a bit for me uh Great call from JR. I just want to point this out when Baker got thumbtacks under the ring. Someone tell me why we need thumbtacks under the damn ring. I thought, yeah, why? Well, why are they? Like that's why we have Excalibur on commentary because Excalibur was there to be like that was a that was a plan. Hmm. But it's probably put there by Jamie Hater or a Rebel or someone like that, which is you know really really great. They get the thumbtacks out and they do a, a bump into the thumbtacks and they get this wicked spot where Baker tried to get the lockjaw on. And Rosa bites her hand to get out of the lockjaw. So, you know, th uh, so Britt Baker switches position because she can't use that hand now. Goes to use her other hand for the lockjaw. And Rosa grabs it and just starts smacking it into the thumbtacks. Oh my god, it was so, so cool. Did a few more thumbtack spots. I think they ran out of time. Something weird happened, yeah. Because they did a near fall off the thumbtacks. And then they went to the outside and Baker hit her with a chair. And then they just went back into the ring and she hit her fire thunder driver for the win. It felt like they thought they had five more minutes, but what they actually had was 30 yeah. seconds. But they did a big celebration. Confetti, Dustin Rhodes appeared to hug Rosa. Um, but yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the ending, the very, very ending sequence was was underbaked, unfortunately. Underbaked. Underbaked. Um, but yeah, and it wasn't as good as one of the best matches in <laughs> AEW history. But that's a that's a lofty benchmark. Pete told me that's what you'd said in your review when I came in. I was like, God, come on, Ollie. Like, <laughs> oh, it wasn't the greatest. No, no, but the, I was saying that as like, that's an incredible benchmark yeah. to try and. I absolutely <clears throat> loved this, and I thought Rose's intensity, her emotion, just sells. Mm. this beyond anything than it than it could have possibly been like it, her emotion made this feel big, bigger and better uh, i really enjoyed baker's uh scott hall inspired uh gear mm -hmm. as well but that was nice and uh thunder rose had some like austin 316 stuff on her for 316 day also texas uh she hit the stunner at one point in the match as well i thought there was some really really nice stuff in this night i just absolutely loved it and i 
I mean, I know we need to sort of move on and, and go into the uh, the Omega chats, but there was a comment I saw on Twitter that, that sort of stuck with me this morning, which is that people will look back on Baker's title reign more fondly now it's over than they did at the time. Like people will sort of like retrospect, like because at the time no one's really enjoyed it. But now that it's over, we can sort of like reflect on the year and be like, it was better than I gave it credit for. I don't know where I sit on that yet, though. I don't know whether I fully agree with that. I couldn't tell you, other than the Thunder Rosa match, a proper feud that I got into. Yeah, I don't think we like the Statlander one. I don't think we really got massively into her Taikanti one. I don't think was... She had some good matches. Yeah, I think she had good matches along the way. I, and actually, like, it probably ended up that Shida match where she won the belt probably was the best match of the the lot that she had. Um, but you know, enjoy her stuff with Jamie Hayter and and Rebel. Uh, but I, but even it, even that stuff for me, I I feel was better when it was Tony, uh, Brit and Rebel. Like when Hayter came in on the first episode of Rampage, I was like, okay. Like, I don't feel like that they've clicked as a faction. I, I disagree. I think they have because mm. I quite enjoy them as a group. But um, yeah, no, I, I agree <coughs> with you to a certain extent. Um, yeah, I'm just curious what everyone's doing. Well, let us know in the comments or in the Omega chat. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
speaking of, wrestletalk.com forward slash support. Get in all your thoughts there. We'll read out every single one over five US dollars. Ducking Lama says, I was there last night. Yeah. And AEW knows how to put on a damn show. I think I mean a damn good show. The atmosphere was electric and the card for this show was insane. It was. So, like all those matches. Frick it out. That Hardy <coughs> Boys match was announced like about five hours before the show started. A Hardy Boys match. The TNT title match. The cage title match. The opening six man. And Danielson and Moxley. There is no filler no, in those matches. Or killer. Uh, the atmosphere was like, blah, blah, blah. So glad I got to see Thunder Rosa make history and the Hardy Brothers debut. Can't wait to watch in person again next week. Uh, Double Beef Gaming, a completely excellent dynamite. So happy for Rosa. Who do you think would be good challenges for her belt? Rosa and Deeb would have some incredible matches. Also, are you not sports entertained? I love how purposely cheesy the JAS is. I cannot wait to get into that segment what a home run of a segment oh, it was we got a jericho fan oh here oh my god it was so good <laughs> I, I cannot wait to I what did i tell you dude that's what i was gonna say i cannot wait to have all of that humble pie eating crow and all of that i cannot wait uh yeah challenges i get yeah deep would be great i think once she's finished up with Sheeda, yeah actually like Sheeda's another one to, to mm. go in there um yeah who would um who else would be really good i'd like to see soho get back into oh, yeah. like a storyline of some sorts because she has felt a bit lost since the baker feud and mm. that was i mean my kid turns <laughs> six months soon enough and that her main event against Britt baker was on the day uh day before my kid was born mm. Uh, Thomas Carrera, seven-month member. Can't watch live, so here's my chap, uh, chat. Who do you think will be the one built up to take the belt off Rosa? Deeb is the likely one, only heels strong enough. Well, that's the thing, is that we don't know who it is at that point. It's mm. kind of the, it's the Roman Reigns argument, isn't it? Of like, I think the person to take the belt off Roman isn't here yet. Unless it's Baker again. Four or five months. Give it back to Baker. Don't hate it. Tam Ruzza. My God, what a freaking show. Loved Rosa's win. Great follow-up from their match last year. Great references. The AEW cage is the best cage I've ever seen. But it's too big for the ring. I like that, though. This was a fun main, and the, that new title looks damn good on her. Also, Regal on commentary more, please. How good was he? When he said... Who is that demon waif over there? I'm talking about Dan Housen, really. Well. And not only that, he actually said, you, masked man, who's that demon waif over there? Yeah. There's no idea who anyone is, and I love it. Uh, Roberto says, oh, it's Gorilla Press. How about that main event? I know you expected it, but it seems like you went for that ride with us. I sure did. I d emotionally, no, I, I didn't. I, I was there for the spots. I was appreciating it for a wrestling match, but, you know, when the results already... You kind of know what it is. Ah, but I don't buy that. Like, I, mm. the same thing with Becky winning or Bianca winning at Mania last year. Like, those were both foregone conclusions, but I was yeah. emotionally invested in those. You're right. You're right. Uh, I guess the only difference with this one is the match two weeks ago. That's, uh, I so think that, that must be what's That must be it, up. yeah. Uh, right. Keep getting your chats in, please. WrestleTalk.com forward there slash. One more to go. Mike oh. C. First time Ultra Chatter here. I love the story that every time Britt has lost a match, Aubrey has counted the pin, adding fuel to the storyline from last year of Brit having a conspiracy. Oh, that will be fun. Hopefully that's followed up on. They, were meant, they did bring that up on commentary mm. when Aubrey came in and you know, off the air raid crash and then Baker got into her face. Excalibur, always Excalibur there to be like, hey guys, remember, 
uh, Britt Baker thinks she's part of the conspiracy. Oh, no, you don't think this is a... It's building to an Aubrey-Britt match. I would love that. Would you? Uh, 100%. What was the best match at um, WWF Invasion? It was Earl Hebner versus <laughs> Nick Patrick. Nick Patrick. Uh, but don't you remember when uh, Action Ref in TNA <laughs> tried to do a run? Oh, my God. Was his name like Slick Johnson Slick Johnson, yeah. With his trainers. Yeah. And everyone hated his trainers and his basketball shorts. <laughs> Uh, right, this episode of AEW Dynamite started off with a hey-yo. It's Wednesday night, you know what that means. Um, it's St. Patrick's Day Slam, and the opening match was the Undisputed Era versus Jurassic Express and Hangman Page. I mean, the, the quality of wrestling on this show was big. This, any other week, this would have been a match of the week. I love this match. So good, right? It was amazing. And like helped a lot by this incredible crowd. This incredible crowd. Yeah. They started hot and gave huge reactions for every single person that came out. Like... Adam Cole comes out and he gets this massive reaction. Then Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus come out and they get an, probably an even yeah. bigger reaction. And you're like, oh man, I feel bad for Hangman here. Yeah. Hangman comes out, the biggest reaction of the lot. And it was just so awesome. And his hot tag was banana. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it was something else. It was, I wrote in my review, Cesaro level. He just comes in, strike, strike, strike. Throws someone out one end. Throws the other person out the other dive 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 oh and just when you think okay surely he needs to breathe now he hits like three more dives that this is like you know this the last two weeks for me have been what i wanted from hangman page after he won the belt so i'm incredibly happy this this, this is my champion now yeah this was like a really fun pwg match mm. here on aew dynamite and like crowd reacted so huge for the cole page stare down when they were teasing that yeah. um jurassic express uh, jungle boy rather hit a double doomsday device <laughs> at one point uh but in the end it was the high low on jungle boy and the boom for the win uh, for the undisputed era uh, i thought it was really really fun did you see that red dragon's name was also red again oh was it yeah oh, that's a nice it's, it's, touch. it's so nice uh excalibur great call at the end of this so Cole hits the, the boom on Jungle Boy and Excalibur goes, God, when that knee pads down, no one on this roster can kick out of it. Going back to the pay-per-view match between Hangman and Cole, that Cole got too excited and didn't pull down the knee pad to hit that finisher. That's how Hangman managed to kick out. And as soon, like, already the, the hockey fight spot between Cole and Page in this match, plus that final call from Excalibur, I was like, you know what? I do want this again. I am yeah. more into this feud now than I was before the pay-per-view. Yeah, they're just gradually building. Mm. And bring up, building up that anticipation for the rematch. A feud based around a move being hit. Always works. It always works. One-winged angel was such a big part of the... That was never hit, was it? Uh, not during... They didn't do it in the uh, the actual final the match that they had at full gear. It was like the Okada-Omega feud where Okada was never kicking out of yeah. the one-winged angel, even though Omega was kicking out of, I think, 37 Rainmakers <laughs> by the end of it. It's just a clothesline. <laughs> Keith Lee uh, is backstage with Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. They're not allowed to 
get physical. And Team Taz... It's not, it's not that they weren't allowed. It's they, agreed they agreed to not get physical. Tony Schiavone came in and said, like, thank you, gentlemen, for agreeing not to get physical here. And we're just going to discuss this like gentlemen. Uh, Team Taz threatened to lay him out if they come on his show because Keith Lee's facing Max Caster on Rampage. Um, and I'll just talk about it now because later on, Caster's cutting a rap promo on Keith Lee. Starks and Hobbs come in and they say, hey, you know, we're buddy heels here. And then Swerve comes in and gets in everyone's faces. Looks at the camera by accident, I think. He's, he's doing that on purpose. Or he's like, hey, I'm, I'm so cool. Yeah, that is what he's doing. Uh, and then whose house? So I, like, I like how they're building quite a fleshed out story on Rampage. To me, this this felt like a brand split. Not, an, not a hard brand split, but there's definitely a soft brand split here. There's also some really nice character work here because this is Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs are annoyed at Keith Lee because he's come into their domain. And then they've gone up to the acclaimed and are essentially saying, like, look, there's a lot of new guys coming mm. in that are going to be taking, you know, they could possibly be taking your spots. Keith Lee's one of them. And so having Swerve Scott then come in, who's also a new guy that's potentially taken someone's spot coming. And then when he walks away, Max Caster, the guy with the rap gimmick, said, and that guy a rapper? Yeah. So yeah. now he's like, uh-oh. So my rapping gimmick is now in trouble here because that rap guy is in here. That's really good. I missed that. I just thought he was doing a joke reference to Hit Row. But yeah, oh no, that's really nice. Yeah. Um, it's just a shame Keith's being lost in it. <laughs> you just don't see him on TV these days. Uh, but yeah, what do you think about... I mean, Tony Khan said Rampage is going to be just as important as Dynamite. This is the mid-card. Yeah, and you know what? It's like, uh, that is what I would say. Like, Rampage unequivocally is a success in terms of... Hold on, let me finish my sentence first before you pull a face. In terms of what TNT wanted it to be, in the time slot that it's in, it gets the ratings that TNT want. It gets them the money that they want. And so the network is happy with it. Therefore, you cannot say that it is has been a failure. However, in terms of Tony Khan saying it is going to be as important as Rampage, it does not, uh, as important as Dynamite, it does not feel as important as Dynamite. It does sort of feel like the official third hour of mm -hmm. Dynamite. It's my favorite show of the week to watch. It's only an hour long. I don't have to take notes on it. And it's a genuinely, it's a genuine thrill of a Saturday for me to wake up in the morning, take the kid downstairs and watch an hour of, of yeah. Rampage. And I always have a good time watching it. But it isn't like, it's never must-see TV. And it hasn't been since Punk's debut. Hmm. There were a few weeks after where you'd have a crazy good match, like, pack on dry yeah that's fair yeah yeah but you're right for a long time sh shortly after that um so punk no punk on this show two weeks now um i think he should take off long take off a long time uh, when he comes back maybe six weeks after the pay-per-view then it's a big like oh my god he's challenging hangman page hopefully for the title like it'd, be, it'd feel like a big return again just do the whole just do the whole rampage return again um so unequivocally the best thing in wrestling right now is Danielson, Mox, and Regal, the gentlemen. They took on Chucky e. T and Wheeler Utah here, and it was this was perfection. I said if this if the whole show was just this, it's 110%, it would break my scale. I made a note at the start of this match. I'm like, oh, it's interesting that Wheeler Utah is in this match because he's one of the guys that that Danielson name dropped in this whole like starting of this. It didn't even cross my mind that no. they would do an angle with Wheelie Utah after the match or like 
this whole match was designed to not only put over Danielson and Moxley and their style and also, you know, what Regal's doing with them, but Wheeler Yuta. They gave Wheeler Yuta this massive shine moment to the point where the crowd were chanting for Wheeler Yuta and like really wanted to see him make this comeback. He got the moment when Danielson was doing the kicks to the chest and he was doing the New Japan like power up gritting of the teeth and stuff. And I, yeah, it's, it was so so well done and chuck taylor was amazing mm. there as always regal was great at putting chuck taylor over because he will have seen him at all the pwg shows that he was sent to go and scout hey uh can you just go to the pwg and see which talent we're going to take next <laughs> so, absolutely i'll go down there <laughs> and we're going to take this person this person this person off to nxt you go sunshine oh you're rogue <laughs> but like it was such a really fun match but the angle afterwards was incredible so Danielson and Mox win, of course. Mox with a bulldog choke. So they both have submission wins. I like it. It's like they don't talk to each other. They barely interact. They only touch to tag. Got separate entrances. But they know exactly what to do. I d- that is, and Regal kept on putting it over. They are professional wrestlers. Yeah, they're the perfect wrestling team. He kept saying, and I like the you mentioned they're the submissions. I hadn't thought of that. Mm. But he keeps saying, you know, Danielson's the submission guy and Mox is our, vi- our violence guy. Mm. They're the perfect mix of those two things. And there's Mox that he's also doing the submissions as well. The perfect blend of wrestling and brawling, they said at one point. So the best friends are leaving, you know, tail between their legs. They had a good showing and they're walking off. And the, the camera works fantastic here. Yuta just stops and looks back at the rest of the best friends pause and like, what's going on here? Yuta gets in the ring goes to shake William Regal's hand. William Regal slaps his face and Yuta sort of gets up in his face and then he he sort of backs off and leaves while Danielson and Moxley are, are laughing their asses off. Yeah, like you, can, you can't quite hear what Regal is saying, but he's essentially being like, not today, sunshine. But yeah. You go back there and you work on yourself and maybe we'll have a chat at some other point. But for now, I think it's probably best if you just leave this ring. Go on, on your way there, sunshine. And that's when he leaves. And then you have these shots. And it's, <clears throat> I think it's very important to note. You mentioned that, you know, best friends are on one side and Danielson and Marks. Best friends is consisting of Chuck Taylor, Orange Cassidy, and Dan Housen. These sort of wacky lads. And Wheeler Utah is basically saying, like, do I want to stay with the wacky lads or do I want to go and see what I can become with William Regal? I am so excited to see the backstage segment they do with best friends and Wheeler mm. Utah next. Being like, well, what was that about? And it's it was focused on Chuck Taylor because Chucky's been the guy. He's been his mentor. When Trent was out injured, mm. it was Chucky that brought Wheelie Utah in to essentially be his replacement. And Trent's never been on board with Wheelie Utah. You can see that in their interactions and stuff. He's always been a bit wary of him. Be like, who's this new guy? I'm. I now want to see like Trent being up to Chuck being like, I told you, like he wasn't that guy to bring in. And there's some really interesting stories to tell here. Um. Do you think Yuta was saying, please let me join your faction? Or was it, I'm paying my respect to the new London mob boss? I thought it was a teach me your ways. Yeah, I think so too. But I like the ambiguity. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We also, speaking of best friends, uh, there was a video package of a Chris Statlander mm. removing her makeup. So perhaps she's dropping the alien gimmick. Also becoming a serious wrestler. God, what's becoming of chaos? <laughs> ridiculous group. Uh, yep, that was one of the best things of the year. It wasn't like crazily showy or anything, but my God, that's that's what I like. That was hard, consistent. 
Yeah. And it was a hard <laughs> consistent for me. FTR are backstage talking about their random firing of Tully Blanchard last week. He wasn't focused when they didn't have the tag team title gold. Still doesn't really ring true. Also, they're the AAA tag champions. Mm. Oh, yeah, good point. But whatever, it was just a, a very poorly tied up loose end. But what's coming next? The Young Bucks. They enter the interview and they say, you're just the second best tag team in AEW. So if we're getting babyface FTR versus the Bucks. I wonder now if the random firing of Tully, because there was a line in the Bucks' promo here where they said you could get the best manager in the world or something essentially did without saying it a the best there is the best there was the best there ever will be teasing the idea that bret hart will come in and be the new manager of ftr and it kind of reminds me a little bit you know when andrade had his revolving door of managers where it was just like oh it's really weird that he just randomly fired vicky guerrero oh it's because charbo's <laughs> coming in the book it's really weird that he randomly fired charbo <laughs> oh it's because rick flair was going to come in but now it's jose the assistant so I wonder if it was just like, yeah, it seemed weird, but they couldn't think of any other way to bring bring Bret Hart in to be the manager. Mm. Like FCR were like, yeah, we'd really like Bret to be our manager now. And, you know, Bret's on board for it. And they were just like, yeah, we'll just fire Tully and then we'll bring Bret in a couple of weeks later. Babyface FTR will be interesting. It works if they've got Bret with them, but you're mm. right. Like I've never thought of FTR as a babyface team. We watched TNA Victory Road 2011 this week because we're going to be doing our WrestleTalk Extra Review tomorrow morning. Plug for Patreon. Go over there and become a pledge hammer. It's exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was what it was the beer money match. Yeah, beer money. Really like similar to FDR in sort of heel tag team working style. Heels forever. And that they're in their baby face run, and they're awesome. So maybe it'll be a bit like that. Maybe it will. Like it's just. Particularly like because it was at that point, oh my god, it's Bobby Roode. Mm. Like I'm watching Bobby Roode work as a babyface. And James Storm. I know James Storm was like, well, he was the babyface coming off the Chris Harris thing and everything, but it was like, oh man, this is weird. But yeah, maybe it'll just will be really surprised me. Like, oh wow, they should have been babyfaces all along because they're really good at it. Yeah. Uh or Arn Anderson. Or it could What's be a poor Arn. Well, I mean, you thought they were gonna do the Arnie Tully match. Arnie Tully. Yeah. Arn Tully match at pay-per-view and they never did. You wanted that as a thumbnail on one episode. Do you think Arn's going to WWE? No. With Cody? Oh, with Cody. <laughs> what about Brock and Lee Johnson? They'd be fine. Um, yep, we had that. Then we had the Caster promo, which we've already spoken about. And then we had the Jericho Appreciation Society reveal segment. For the last few weeks few months longer last few months on this podcast i have been talking about how yeah i think i'm done with with jericho now like it's not really doing much for me these days his matches haven't been as good as they once were i'm not really down for a lot of his promos the american top team for you did very little for me i actually was more into america top team than i was uh the inner circle and we kept talking about how like jericho felt like he was just holding back hager uh holding back guevara and holding back LAX and we're like I'd really rather them sort of break up but they keep getting pulled out of mm. their fuse to do whatever Jericho wants to be doing this week and I wasn't really on board for a lot of what Jericho did and then he had that match with Kingston and I was like wow that was the best match he's had in AEW that was like a legit five star classic and I loved it and then he did the angle last week and I'm like okay well I'm pretty interested in here now this promo there's a line at the end of this when Jericho said and that is the latest reinvention of the biggest genius that this industry has ever seen. 
and that's entertainment. And I'm like, he's done it again. <laughs> crazy son of a bitch. He's done it again. This whole time you have been telling me you've just got to wait. He's going to stumble upon his next great thing. And we're all going to like talk about what the, 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 the genius that he is. And here I am. Nom, 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 nom. Humble pie eating crime. Nom, nom, nom. Give it all to me. I'll take another serving of humble pie because this was amazing. Yeah, it's always the baby face periods of Jericho are really just a lot of waiting around until he can turn <laughs> heel again. Uh, so what it was, he's out there with 2.0, a bad name from bad creative, uh, Jake Hager and Daniel Garcia. And everyone kind of explains how they're not just there because they love Jericho. So they're not just there for Jericho and they're against the idea of pro wrestling. They consider themselves sports entertainers. There's also like a, a proper bond between them. Jericho has been with Hager since like 2010. He got 2.0 their jobs. He referenced how Kevin, his former friend Kevin, rang him after they got fired. And said, so can you get them on talk as Jericho? Because I, I, they could really do with some exposure. Mm. And that's how they got their jobs in AEW. Um, so of course, talking about Kevin Owens there. Oh, uh, not Kevin Dunn. <laughs> and uh, Kevin Kelly. <laughs> of course. I've got to think of <laughs> Kevin Kelly. And Daniel Garcia there, who is like, he is the sore thumb here in this scenario. And Jericho is talking about how their spot... Well, first of all, how he helped Garcia financially when Garcia had a car crash three years ago. Didn't actually know that story. Neither did I. But Jericho is, you know, he gives a lot of money to people who need it, which is very admirable. What a heel! And as Jericho says, we are sports entertainers. Oh my God, Garcia is just looking at him. And I thought, is this a slight tease? And I thought they weren't going to reference it, but Garcia got the mic and went, "If you're, if you, if you say that, so am I." Yeah. So, but I think it could build to something later. But man, it was good when he had that look. I wrote in my notes, it was like, oh, "Daniel Garcia cannot be on board with this whole sports entertainment thing." And I, and then I wrote in my notes, like, "Oh man, Garcia looks like legit pissed mm. off about this. What a great like tease for a storyline." And he grabs the microphone. And he's like, "You say you're a sports entertainer," and turns to the crowd then I guess I am too. My name is Daniel Garcia, and I am a sports entertainer. Oh my God, it was... Uh, you can hear the crowd be like, no, no, <laughs> not our boy Danny! It was really well worked. And like, even with all of this, like, quite ingenious, serious stuff, he's still got in a killer joke where he says, we use our real names here. None of those stupid names making a reference to NXT 2.0. So say hello to Daddy Magic Matt Minard and Cool Hand Ange Angelo Parker. Not only that, but he's like, in the Jericho appreciation, we use our real names. His name's Chris Irving. It's not even <laughs> his real name. So just really, really good. And Hager ends it with saying, we are the Jericho Appreciation Society and they beat up pro wrestlers. This is the era of sports entertainers. So great, great promo. Really fun. Great follow-up for last week. Makes me immediately excited for Santana, Ortiz and Kingston to come back and kick their ass. Their love of professional wrestling. But you've got to think, the immediate segment before this was Danielson, Regal, Mox, Utah. That's pro wrestling. They explicitly put over, over and over again, we are professional wrestlers. The next segment, we are sports entertainers. We are we are building 
to a blood and guts a blood and guts match, and surely. Who, and who was one of the guys that Danielson referenced saying surrounding yourself with goofy guys? Daniel Garcia! Who is now like he's almost been indoctrinated into this idea of like I'm no longer a professional wrestler, I'm a sports entertainer, because I appreciate Chris Jericho. And there's going to be Danielson and Moxley and possibly Wheelie Uton and William Regal doing their thing. Like, I think this is something you can build to for a what, a, you know, two ships passing in the mm. night, just going, one's going down this way, another one's going down this way, and you can build them to a head at a pay-per-view down the line. Maybe not even all out, like you do that at full gear or something. You Like, you really delay the idea of doing it. Well, there's so many other things they can do first, particularly Mox and Danielson. Like, yeah. I think I, I run with the tag belts, things like that. Yeah, I'm hugely excited about this storyline. And I think it's a really fun way to do WWE versus AEW without doing WWE versus AEW. It's based on the ideology. The only other way you could do it is if a bunch of ex-WWE guys teamed up in the company. Like the NWO. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Serena Deeb cut a promo on Sheeda. Not much more to say on that. Apart from the fact it was a wicked promo by Deeb. So good. She is lean. Yeah, she just got this fiery-ass yeah. promo. She was so fired up for it. I loved it. Uh, Wardlow then took on Scorpio Sky for the TNT title. Uh, this is, you know, Wardlow won the casino ladder match. A base revolution, of the Revolution ladder Base match. of the Revolution ladder match to get this shot. Um, for me, it, uh, it was more angle than match. I don't know what I wanted from this because you've got a lot of things to spin. You've got an MJF feud to build with Wardlow. He eventually cost Wardlow the match. You've got a new champion in Sky to get over. Do you want him to lose the belt? You don't want Wardlow to look weak. I don't felt like it, it ticked any of those boxes. You also had Paige Van Zandt out mm. there as well, who's like their new big shiny toy that they're trying to like put over. And I thought this was a pretty failed segment. Mm. I, I don't think this worked on any level, really. This crowd were super into Wardlow and they were super into doing the Powerbomb Symphony on Scorpio Sky and possibly him also winning the title. But they didn't really react to much to... And they, they did... The MJF stuff towards the end, they really did get into. Yeah. But I think this whole match just felt like... It made Wardlow look very silly. Like, the commentators have been like, you know, he is quite... He's still new. He's still green. He needs making these sorts of mistakes. But it was a massive mistake to make. And the distraction by Sean Spears... And there was such a simple story here to tell, which is that Wardlow was under contract with MJF. And if he'd have won the title, he'd have to hand it over to MJF or like anything that you do belongs to mm. me. And you could have had this sort of torture baby face. But then last week he was like, no, I'm just done with that now. And they just dropped that story. So now, and he's still in the stipulation last week. It was like, if I win the TNT title, I get my AEW contract. So does he just not have a contract now? Because he didn't win the That's match. That's a good point. Is he yeah. still under contract with MJF? Like, I don't really know what's going on here. Mm. And after all of that sort of the beautifulness, the sort of poeticness of Punk winning with the diamond ring, MJF's just got the diamond ring back again mm. and used it here. I don't know. Like, I don't think this worked at all. And I was, re- I was, I was bit, very disappointed by it. Yeah. I don't think anyone comes off looking better than they did. Yeah. The the one good thing is that when Wardlow looked like he was going to actually get his hands on MJF, the crowd went ballistic. MJF sold it so good. Yeah, as well. his facials were great. So that was very good. Um, but everything else, yeah. Oh, oh, and Dan Lambert wearing the interim TNT title round his waist. Yeah, the real TNT champion, some might say. Do you know he's one of like the biggest 
belt collectors. I've heard this. Yeah, yeah. like he's got a huge, legit collection. What do you make of um, Paige Van Zandt's guy? Her boy, her husband or husband, boyfriend? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's and there. I I say this with the biggest love in the world because I'm sure he's a really nice chap. He looks like he'd be cast in a Hollywood movie as a meth head, <laughs> and he would have a tattoo that says "No regrets." Yeah, and I I'm quite into Paige Van Zandt. Less so him. Uh, but yeah, Sky, Sky is looking weak off this as well, I think. Scorpio yeah, Sky. 100% this made him look. This is not a great first title defense for Scorpio Sky. <laughs> uh, Jay Cargill gets an interview backstage. Who's going to be number 30 in her victory streak? I think it will be. I hope it's Session Moth Martina. Mm-hmm. She's been on AEW a lot recently. Has she? She's been doing dark and dark elevation matches. Oh, that passed me by. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Great. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, I think you could, you know, artificially make quite a long match there because Moth can just do loads of comedy. Do the bounce. Yeah. Uh, And then we had the Hardy Boys, although they were just billed as the Hardys, versus Private Party, a match they went right into right away. Um, This was full nostalgia stuff, the classic Hardy Boys entrance. Um played all the hits. Private, I thought Private Party, <laughs> to me, because I'm not a Hardy Boys guy, Private Party looked really good here. Uh, Matt, you know, is is Matt in 2022. And Jeff, uh, he's got charisma. He's got an appeal with the crowd. Uh, and, yeah. Are you trying to find the nice way to say, I don't like the Hardy Boys? <clears throat> no, I don't like them. It's not... It's not I don't like them. I just they were never your team. Never my team. They were and like, but they were my team. So like, so how did you feel? I loved this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. And Bix posted up something on Twitter. That I don't think I actually knew, but apparently uh, Mark Quinn and Isaiah Casty came together as a tag team. They were two singles guys on House of Glory, but came together as a tag team because they both loved the Hardy Boys. So they were just having conversations, being like, "Oh my God, remember this? Remember this? Remember this?" And their whole tag team has been built upon the idea <laughs> that they are both Hardy Boy marks. That's cool. So for them to then have you know the Hardy Boys' first match in AEW and have a really good match at the back as well, doing all of their mannerisms, doing all of their moves and their spots, because there was a moment when the Hardys did their fist drop and senton combination thing, and then Mark Quinn and Cassidy do their version of it, which is like a big spinny leg drop and a big sort of like <laughs> standing shooting style press. And they were like, "Yeah, we're like you, but better. Mm. Like we're like we're the next step up from from the Hardys." I really enjoyed them working together and Jeff getting the hot tag. The cra- the place went unglued when he got the hot tag. Probably the biggest pop of the night that was. And good lord did he stick the landing on that swanton bomb. When he hit it. <laughs> yeah. What was what was the deal with the second rope? Splash. Splash. That wasn't a planned finish. He Can got we- he got up there. He went, uh And the crowd was like, oh the swanton! Yeah, swanton. And he went splash and it was weird because he jumped and it looked like he was gonna turn but then he just splashed but he was only ever on the second rope yeah it was weird it was weird but they you know they were building to the big twist of fate spots to then hit the swanton bomb Mm. so it was never like he's been doing the splash as well but i thought this was really really good and i I had a grand time with it and yeah when he did that swanton bomb he had all of that swanton bomb on poor old cassidy uh and then afterwards andrade and his group of goons were coming down to the ring and the vigilantes, Sting, Sting and Darby Allen, came down to make the save. Nice four-on-four action that we can get there, leading to the idea of doing the Hardy Boys versus Sting and Darby at some point. Sting and uh, Darby and 
Jeff Hardy as a singles match. And I was just going to have to work <laughs> very hard in that match. Oh, you know, I hey, Jeff was doing some really good stuff in WWE towards the end of his run. Like they were going to be putting him in matches with Roman Reigns. Like he was. Yeah. I, I still think, and I'm looking forward to the Hardy of the Bucks as well. Mm. And I wonder if, and it may just be because it's, you know, it's fresh in our minds because we just watched it. Do they do Jeff Sting? Cause, I don't know. How well, he... the reason why I... He's not had any singles matches, has he? No. And the only reason I bring it up is because I was watching a documentary about uh, uh, Victory Road. And Sting there said, like, I was really excited for that match because I was getting to wrestle Jeff Hardy. And Jeff Hardy was about, like, Sting's my favorite wrestler of mm. all time. And that's the last time they actually had a match together. Mm. And maybe for both of them, it'd be like, just to put a put a nail in that coffin and just sweep it under... We can move past it and actually have a match together now. Maybe you do that in a tag. I don't think they they could do a, a singles. Uh, says you, not with that says attitude. Says me, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Meltzer said something that interested me, and I, you know, I agree with, is that in AEW generally you have the veterans sort of teaching the young guys stuff and sort of helping out the young guys, whereas in this dynamic. It's the young guys helping make the old guys look good. Yes, the nostalgia run. Yeah, but I, I, I'm, you know, I I hear nostalgia runs, and then it it shocks me to see a a full on nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, run. really. I mean, they're dressed like, mm. like Matt has just gone back and just been like he's got all of his Hardy gear, like ninety nine. Just dust that <laughs> off. I can put this t shirt back yeah. on again. Uh, but yeah, looks like we're getting a nonsense. Random Derby Sting Andrade. I'm not into this feud, is what I'm saying. Uh, and Red Velvet cut a promo on Layla Hirsch ahead of Rampage. And then we got the main event. Yeah. Overall, you I thought the, this was an, show. I thought this was an excellent show. Um, the stuff in the middle, I didn't dig, but yeah, like all the the opening six man, the Danielson Mox stuff, the main event, I thought was terrific. The only thing I didn't like on this show was that Scorpio Sky Wardlow match. And that's only because I feel like they just picked the worst version of that story. Mm. There were loads of avenues that you could have taken and that felt like the the best, the least best good one to do. So that's really my only downside. For me, this is a five out of five show. I oh, wow. With that, with that opening match, that main event, the Hardy Boys reunion, that Jericho Appreciation Society, the Moxley mm. Danielson stuff. Like, just because there was one segment that I didn't like that was, what, went like 12 13 minutes of the entire runtime i can't just ignore like i'm not having letting that overshadow everything else that was so so great on this show Easily. you need a you need a more granular <laughs> rating system so okay so it's a 98 percent show then <laughs> i absolutely loved it and i thought it was stellar work do we have the poll or no we do not have no, the poll. no worries Well, before we get in with your Omega chats, let's say thank you to our wonderful Pledge Hammers on Patreon, where we will have uh, an exclusive podcast review of TNA Victory Road 2011, maybe tomorrow? Uh, well, yeah, we're going to record it tomorrow morning. I've got all the audio clips and everything, so I can probably get that edited in the afternoon. It might go up tomorrow afternoon, oh. in fact. I'm really looking forward to doing that show. There's a lot to be read from The Observer and the Figure Four at the time, and it's very very interesting because i think it not only tells you a lot about the situation but about the opinion of tna at the time mm. 
that I think has actually been the most telling thing from the research that I've done. And also, you can get your own shout out on this very show, like Duncan, just Duncan. How do you like them apples, Marcel Jura? Spoke in class today, Jeremy Smith. Meticulous, Michaela Traub. The stunning. Wesley Potter. The man who wears the gold. The man recognized by SWAF Nation International as the 24-7 champion. Ah, legend. Up above and Keith below. Dot, 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 dive. Dylan Cachetting. Let me see, that can control your narrative. Yenny Zane Hamid. Living in the past, Kieran Pryor. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. I thought you'd appreciate that. And lastly, for this episode of the WrestleTalk podcast on the uh, 17th of March 2022, the Master Austin Shrock. What is that? A, what is that a reference to? Star Trek. Yeah, that's what. Wrath of Khan. It's Wrath of Khan. Yeah, sorry. Come on, man. I was like, what, what is that? <laughs> You're such a TNG guy. Yeah. And that's OS. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Roberto again says, Gorilla Press here. I'm glad you two enjoyed the show. It was an electric atmosphere inside the Freeman Coliseum. Her father, her husband, and her son were in the building too. Judging by this review, I think we want Luke to review all of Thunder's matches. Uh, Corey Vevernicht says, I don't know if you two caught it in the FTR versus Bucks segment, but there was a small tease of Bret Hart becoming FTR's new manager when Matt said, you could get the best manager there is and still lose to us. Also, Ollie versus Whiskey from the news is the match of the year. I haven't seen this yet. I did a shot every time I said St. Patrick's Day Slam. Because it sounds like a drink. Yeah. Uh, was, was it real whiskey? Was it shoot whiskey? Yeah, no, it's definitely shoot whiskey. <laughs> really? Because you do that at like 8 a.m. Yeah, it's like really early. early. Yeah, definitely. I'm totally fine now. I just had some water. You just had a really good lunch with Sullivan. <laughs> uh, Kevin. So my fantasy booking of Mox and Brian teaching young wrestlers violence happened, and then AEW add Regal slapping Utah in the face, and that's even better. Loved Regal on commentary. Loved the main event. Intrigued by the JAS. A very good show. Very good show. Uh, they continue. I really enjoyed the Hardy versus Private Party match, but this shouldn't. But shouldn't this match be the blow-off of the story? PP turned their back on that, so maybe we have Butcher and Blade versus Hardys now to then build to a bigger match and put over PP's choice to leave Matt. Yeah, I guess. Like, I totally get what you mean. Also, I think it makes sense to be the first match, though. <coughs> like, their first match to be uh, Private Party as opposed to just being Butcher and Blade. But I think the blow up to this is the four way, is the, uh, the eight man tag. Yeah, that, that was only ever a beat in a larger story. I think they wanted to get that wrapped up fast. Uh, Charles Berg. In Regal's promo last week, there is one part that makes me laugh. It goes on and on about Danielson being the best, the perfect wrestler, and Moxley. Yeah, he's crazy. <laughs> That's unintentionally funny. I think Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is a good name for them. Agree? It's a little bit silly. Yeah. I think maybe the professionals works on Dan the back Danielson of Danielson and Moxley. 
They are just like just their names. The gentlemen. Matt Carney, is AEW still developing, or has it now, to all intents and purposes, reached full maturity? Has it found its own immutable personality, so to speak? Can we now identify what could be called an AEWism, or would you say its main personality traits are? Uh, taking all the successful stuff from WCW and not doing any of the bad stuff. But they're also doing PWG. PWG New Japan. It's kind of like a mixture of like everyone's favorite things from their favorite promotions in one place. Mm. Uh, I think in the early days that was like there were such clear divides like oh this is all the WCW stuff this is all the PWG stuff this is all the New Japan stuff and now I think three years in they those have actually merged together quite nicely. Mm -hmm. uh, but I couldn't I couldn't tell you one one defining characteristic yet. Maybe uh, the Rick Peck uh, First Ultra Chat in a long time Whilst commentary mentioned Jericho being Judas During the video before his promo Do you think the song is now too over That it could take away from his amazing heel work Or does it just not matter now no, I think that's Oh sorry oh, The Hall of Fame music was still playing um, um, No I, th I think it still It still works for the group Yeah uh, Matt Parker said at the start like, not, Come on use his real name Sorry uh, Daddy Magic <laughs> Daddy Magic said. <laughs> Is that your new name at home now? Luco in DA Daddy Magic. On um, 2K22, you have to have a nickname for your character. <laughs> and um, obviously DAD is not an option in there. But you know what is? The Daddy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Daddy Magic said, look, if it, if it was up to me, you wouldn't get to... Let's, you do it. You do the voice. <laughs> I don't know, because you say this, but like... John Moxley. <laughs> John Moxley! If it was up to me, you wouldn't be able to listen to this music. But that's why Jericho's a better man than me. Yeah, it was great. Uh, Tem Rizza, pressure is on for Tony Khan to build up new main eventers like Rosa and Baker. They didn't get enough time. think it was only like 15 minutes. It was 20 by my count. Uh, they could have gone 20 to 25. Hardys was incredible. JAS versus Regal's gentleman for the custody of Garcia, please. Miss Miro and Omega. Yeah. yeah, get well soon. Ryo Adonde. Loki's starting to miss Uncle Kenny a little. I wonder when he is coming back, but that is mostly a good thing I see about AEW. They can mix and match the title scene like this. 100%. That's the most incredible thing I think you can actually say about AEW is that their top guy for all of last year in Kenny Omega hasn't been around now for, what, nearly get on for five months, six months, whatever it is. And he does, I mean, it's not that long, it's probably four months or so, but even then, like, I, I miss him. Mm. But it's not like the show is suffering without him. It's not like, you know, if you removed Roman from SmackDown, it's like, oh my God, this show is missing yeah. something massive. But this has got such a solid roster with you know, all, everyone's got something to do. So it, it, it doesn't feel lacking. Mm. Sheldon Jackson. I enjoyed yesterday's show from top to bottom. I personally feel like Brit Rebel and Hater are AEW's female version of the House of Torture from New Japan. And that is not a compliment. I guess they yeah, lots of run-ins, lots of interference. Omar Josui, I just wanted to say that Jericho screaming he's a sports entertainer to an AEW crowd sounds like the episode of SpongeBob where he's screaming I'm ugly and I'm proud. Genuinely brilliant. Aside from that, Wheeler Utah to the gentleman, please. 
Uh, could you take over? I can do, yeah. Oh, mate, you're all right. Uh, Big Eye Cortez. Cesaro and Gargano must be watching this and getting excited. Love Stan Lander assimilating. Needs to come out to the third rock from the sun <laughs> theme. The idea of Brett could come in with FTI is insane. Regal, please go to New Japan. Jericho, please don't say Jan 6th. Hashtag free Ali. I don't think he did. No, he, well, he did. It's because that's when I think Garcia had his accidents. Oh, right. It was like oh. uh, in like 2019. But he, like you said, Jan 6th. And it was like, whoa. <laughs> uh, Nate S, give me a, a Lee and Swerve team up. Lee and Swerve versus the Acclaimed versus Ricky and Hobbs. Yes, please. Might be too much swagger for one team, though. Also love the Regal slap initiation, baptism by violence. I wouldn't want to put them in a tag team. I think they're unique single stars. David Dawn, I think Rampage should do a brand split. A soft one. Uh, but here's what I would do. Wrestlers start defecting to Rampage, refusing to show up on Dynamite. Tony gives in and makes the show two hours. They start uh. demanding their own belts. MGF, <laughs> no, um, you've lost me there, David, I'm afraid. Uh, MGF leading, unveiling the Rampage champ. Sorry, David, I didn't mean to groan at your chat, but I, I don't like that idea at all because it makes Tony an authority figure. Get, it adds another hour of TV. Not for me. Kyle McIver, I bloody love AEW. It makes me remember why I love wrestling. I'm sick of the criticism of the women's division. Just watch Dark. <laughs> but like, it's just rando squash matches. You could say like, look, you could just say, hey, if you want to see Ricochet and well, not Ricochet so much anymore, but if you want to see all these people like Ali wrestle, watch main event then. If it's if you're talking about WWE, it's it's that argument you're making. Yeah. Uh, Although Dark is much more important than main events, but even then, you are right. Um, on that point of stealing defections, you never hear WWE being labelled with that jam, that jam. Um, you do hear. Hmm. Uh, Daniel Ibarra was at the event last night, and I could say my hometown was red hot, much louder than when I went to Fighter Fest in Austin, Texas last year. I was seated by the staircase and got to touch Moxley during his entrance. <laughs> San Antonio loved Rosa. Viva la mera mera. Uh, Roberto, uh, Ollie, how are you not still in? How are you not uh, still inebriated after St. Patrick's Day slam? I've, I handle my liquor so well. You know that from when you've been out with me. Absolutely, you you do handle your liquor very well. No, I think you do. I don't think. Oh, I've, really? Yeah. Oh. Oh, thank you. Oh, actually, well, apart from when we did the Golden Mile and you had to go take a, a TC at one point, about yeah. sort of three pints in, because you were like, I ain't going to make the rest of the day otherwise. Uh, JW Pringle, do you think there is another level to the sports entertainment angle as a wink nod to Cody possibly going to WWE? Also, everyone, please take care of your mental health. You are loved and worthy. We need you here with us. Thank you very, very much. I don't think there's a. No, I don't think it's Cody. I don't think so either. Uh, plan R Regal's Rogues, Mox Dragon, Utah Moriarty, Pillman Jr., and Claudio. Now that's a stable. I don't get why Claudio would join, though. Uh, Moriarty is a name dropped already. I think you want Garcia. I don't know. I don't know if Pillman Jr. fits in that. Although yeah. you know, unhinged violence. Michaela Traub, great show. I really want the conspiracy to be an actual storyline. Like after losing the title, Brit goes on a paranoid <laughs> witch hunt for a bit. Also been waiting for someone besides Abaddon to bite Brit's hand for two years, as long as I've been a fan. Uh, Ian Irving, remember when Hager joined the inner circle and the crowd chanted, we the people, and Jericho shot them down by saying, we the people is dead. It was a terrible idea by a terrible creative. So a tongue-in-cheek callback to when he shot down uh. sports entertainment. Very nice. 
the Graham Jones. Hey, lads, hope you're well. This is not AEW related, but I'm curious if either of you have seen OTT's The Snake Sammy D. He just faced Scotty Too Hotty at Scrapper Mania, and I really think he's going to go far. Thoughts? Oh. No, no, I haven't seen or, or even heard of the Snake Sammy D. The only thing I've seen from Scrap Mania is Session's uh, mm. entrance. Because everyone fancies uh, uh, Session Martha Martina. Everyone fancies Martina. Hannah Allen has donated. <coughs> Australian. Oh, no. Don't, don't, don't read it out. Okay, Rob... <laughs> read, read it out. I think it's been converted, so it's okay. Uh, lads, take some fine piping hot Australian Ugh. dollars. Won't hear a negative word against AEW, Ollie. Right. This show was amazing and giving y'all the benefits of the doubt, knowing a poor tasting currency <laughs> right mm -hmm. up there. Lots of love. Gem that jam. L-I-W for, 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 for life. Uh, Rob Zilla. Hello, you lovely lads. Been watching Rest Talk since late 2017 with the four-minute reviews. You guys have made such a positive impact on my life in ways I cannot thank you enough. Also, my friend, uh, my fiend Bo Dallas wacky prediction could have been money. Mm. <laughs> love from J.A. Uh, Gerald Hazelwood's not AEW related, but if you read Control Your Narrative ru uh, Rules, if you read them with Dwight from the US version of The Office in your head, <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, we had a had a bit of a giggle about this in the office earlier. However, you've got a you've got a hot take on this, Ollie. It's so bad. I think it's a work. <laughs> I think they're doing a bit. No, this is you saying the pain maker was a work <clears throat> and not Jericho thinking it was legit cool. It's control. Troll. <laughs> they're trolling, surely. I just it's I can't. also Braun Strowman and EC3 and Austin Aries. I just can't imagine people being this bad. <laughs> I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Let's see what happens when the first show... <laughs> Maybe it'll be like some broken universe. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> My favourite rule was the fight isn't with your opponent. It's with yourself. That's a that's a theme. That's not a rule. <laughs> and like you're in control, but also don't do these moves. Yeah. It is written by people who love Fight Club but do not understand the subtext of toxic masculinity and homoeroticism. It's Zack Snyder. <laughs> it's Zack Snyder's wrestling league. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Simpson has been an eight-month member. Uh, God, what a bad opener. Clearly those three didn't get EC3's new list of rules. <laughs> That's how you can control your narrative with rules. Ollie's hot take on controlling your narrative. Well, you just heard it then. Zach Robinson has been a member for 10 months. Yay, 10 months. Even though YouTube thinks it's only been seven for some reason. Wonder what terrible takes on AEW Ollie's got for us today. Nothing but pure gold takes. Chris here says, uh, hey guys, unrelated post. Have you found any good community creations of your good selves on 2K22? Also, will we get a MyRise playthrough as I'd be fascinated in your choices? I've heard there's multiple journeys which could be good for replay value. If you do make yourselves in 2K, will we ever get WrestleTalk vs. Cultaholic event where your avatars fight in the ring uh, for the both the Jam That Championship and the Cultaholic Championships? Beat down the forbidden door of mm -hmm. YouTube wrestling. Get that jacket back. I actually searched yesterday... I used the hashtag search yesterday in content creations, mm. community creations, for rest talk. Nothing. No one's made us yet. Get on it, gang. Yeah. Uh, Painted Viper. Not really got much to say about the episode apart from, good work, Jim. 
Love you guys. Thanks for all you do. And Bailey Donovan said, as a Tower Hamlets boy, I'm glad that the borough decided to support WrestleTalk. Well done, boys. Thank you for your council tax. That's <laughs> where that went. Here. Uh, also, a few more have come through. Ooh, Legit have. underboss. Can't wait for when the two roads meet and the JAS and the Violent Dragons meet as sports entertainment and wrestling face-off in blood and guts. Uh, Maurice Robinson. JR called Jeff Hardy's swanton the two de gras. I think you might have just said he's going up for the coup de gras because coup de gras is an actual term. Mm. And uh, Sadie Degenhausen, hey y'all, sorry I'm late. I wonder if when Tony Khan dreamed of owning his own wrestling company, he ever thought about how much money he'd have to spend on face paint. <laughs> Loved Dynamite last night. So happy for Rosa. 80%? I gave it 85. Well, it looks like Sadie Degenhausen is the, the negative one here. Love you both. Bye. Thank you very much, everybody. Yeah, uh, if you want to have some more chat uh, with Ollie and I about um, service stations, I would recommend listening to the WrestleTalk mm. podcast intro and outro. Oh, I had to expose Ollie Davis uh, for his uh, metropolitan elite, London-centric, <laughs> but doesn't happen outside of Hackney or Walthamstow. He's not interested in the M6 or the M4 or anything like that. I haven't got a car. <laughs> where's, the, where's the service station for a bike? Oh, it's called a nice cafe. <laughs> I can, I can visit them in urban centres. Yeah, you would be a tea baker. <laughs> I've got a segment suggestion. Oh, can I ask you a quick question Oh, first? go on then. What was the uh, character you were assigned for this Disney uh, fan stress party? I was the Mad Hatter. Oh, I think I do remember you telling me this now, yeah. My lady partner was Alice. Oh, I would have thought that it would have been so random that, like, you wouldn't have been assigned, you know, a a counterpoint to your character. People were... It wasn't random. People were given characters, sometimes based on how they would work as a couple. Others were hilariously split up, and they would have their opposite character be in another couple. Um... (laughs) One one person was Jasmine and her boyfriend was Jafar, which we thought was very funny. <laughs> also, a bit of a landmine. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do Jafar in this day and age. Yeah. Even even if I'm, you know, not doing any makeup stuff. I don't wanna I don't want to have photographs of me <laughs> dressed. Although it is of a specific character. Well, it's not yeah. like I'm doing a a whole race. No, well I I went to go see Aladdin on uh, in the West End, uh, which was quite terrible, <laughs> and it was it was the biggest glorified panto I've ever been to in my life. And the lad who was playing Jafar there was very much a panto villain. It, we were like two steps away from saying he's behind you during it, and then they would go into a whole new world. Uh, so I would go down that route, and I would probably try and like pantomime it up a little bit because I think that in the pantomime industry, you can get away with that sort of thing. Like, I think, like, men going to fancy dress parties dressed as women, you'd be a bit like, oh, I don't think you should be doing that in this day and age. But in the panto, totally acceptable. It's a long-lasting tradition. Exactly. It's an inherent part of panto. Yeah. So perhaps doing, you know, a Jafar-type character in the panto style 
might be a way around that that potential landmine. It's a circumstance I don't I don't even want to navigate. No, I mean you were the Mad Hatter, so you. I'm that Mad Hatter. It. I'm fine with that. Put a big hat on me, put a little yeah, card yeah. in there. You're away. You go. Well, what I actually did is I got an, uh, a St. Patrick's Day giant green hat. We pulled off the shamrock and put sort of the card, you know, the yeah, nine yeah. cents card thing, whatever it is. Um, but okay, my idea for the segment. Sorry, go ahead. <clears throat> we're talking about magazines, specialist magazines. What is the weirdest, most specialist magazine you have ever bought? And don't say the Wrestle Talk magazine. That's an easy joke. It's an excellent magazine. In fact, this segment is brought to you by the Wrestle Talk magazine. A new issue will be out digitally tomorrow and in shops. So go get that. But yeah, weirdest magazine you've ever got. Weirdest magazine I've ever got. I can't even think. Like, I must have got one in the 90s or something that would have been like, oh, I'm into this for the week. And then you never really pick back up on it again. But predominantly, my magazine purchasing things. Were you ever a subscriber to a magazine? Uh, I'm a subscriber to magazines right now. Yeah? Which one? Well, the restaurant magazine. Uh, The Week. Sort of weekly digest of news. I get that physical. That's a physical copy. Uh, But back in the day when I was a kid, Treasures of the Earth, How the Body Works, Money of the World. Did you ever get into one of those ones that that they release in January? And then it's like, first issue is 99p and you get a free train. And then it's like, and you buy issue two and you get a bigger version and another train to go with it. All three of the ones I just said were exactly that. (laughs) Treasures of the Earth. Did they actually finish them? Were rocks. (laughs) They were little rocks in little... eyebrows on them. (laughs) Bum bags. (laughs) They were little precious rocks, but they weren't precious. They were, you know, they were nothing. Just rocks. Uh, But I was fascinated by them. It was was essentially a geological magazine for bored people. Yeah. And I lapped it up as a nine-year-old. Like, Dad, please buy it for me. It's only 99p. This week. That's how they hook... That's it, isn't it? That's how they hook you in. A friend of mine... Uh, got into they did one a few years but this would have been sort of 2006 ish because i was still at university and they were like little statues of marvel characters nice i had that i did that yeah like issue one was like daredevil yeah, yeah, yeah. i was like spider-man then issue two was daredevil issue three was wolverine and stuff i think it's called marvel legends oh that rings a bell actually yeah there were these quite cool sort of you know sort of three three and a half inch mm. actually probably small now we're in like two inch figures. they were poorly painted very poorly painted but they were quite cool especially if you had a lot of them you could sort of but you know as there's the case with these sort of magazines is that they only do them for about six months and then you have to subscribe to it in order to get the rest of the collection because mm. they just stop stocking them in smiths i remember going with him to a smiths to find an issue and they were just they weren't there anymore and his subscription wasn't <sighs> showing up either and he's like well now i'm now i'm just missing one He's like, oh. I'm missing, like, because he got the next month. He was like, I'm just missing an Incredible Hulk. Oh no! And he left a gap in like his like lineup of them. So like, well, Hulk will eventually fill that space. And I don't think it ever did. That uh, sounds like a, a beautiful kind of metaphor. It never filled. <laughs> it was never filled. That Hulk. Let's go. You know, like the Hulk itself is never satisfied. The rights just aren't available to you. <laughs> <laughs> Along with the Submariner, but no one really wants that. Universal's like, have we still got Submariner? When are we getting rid of that? Do you want him back, Marvel? Now we're in world good, thanks. 
We'll do with the Illuminati without him. Um, that's all we've got time for on this edition of the podcast. Tomorrow, it'll be myself and Denise Salcedo on the Team Danuk. Then it'll be Pete and Tempest on uh, Saturday doing the SmackDown and AEW Rampage. And then on Tuesday, it's Pete and Andy doing the Raw review because you oh. and I are not around. Yeah, we're on Top Secret Project. We are. We're working on Cody's debut. That's no. what we're doing. Oh, no, I've said it. I've said it out oh, loud. I was trying to avoid saying it. Uh, but that's what we're doing next week. And we'll be back together as a duo for the AEW Dynamite review next Thursday. So thank you all so much for listening. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 